0: Take it with you when you go, but who you love and who you care for all the time stay in your heart held by the ties that bind they're what you take, not what
1: leave behind Hi you guys, welcome back. This is Richard Sachs on Lost Arts Radio and we're honored and privileged to have Carrie Rivera back visiting us after Autism Month, which was last month. And we're going to talk about developments and that something we've been watching for quite a few years now and find out what the state of awareness is and people in general and parents and families in particular about where autism comes from what what it really is about and how to fix it in as many cases as possible which is there's a lot of that that can be done so welcome carrie and this will be a fun discussion i'm glad you're back
2: well, thank you for having me back. And I, and I really do feel like I was just saying right before we started, I think that there's a lot of craziness going on in the world, like a lot. Of, and I think also, there's a lot of people being outed. You know, I think more people are aware. Mm-hmm. I, I, I find that to be the case, especially when I'm talking to someone like my mom, and she's like telling me things that she's seeing, you know, people are, she says, "What well, my mother's a uh, She's all her life. She's read the obituaries. I'm not really sure why, but Okay. I guess her mother read them and then she, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is, she's like, Gary, they used to be three pages and now there's like six to eight pages of obituaries. Like, that's not just a little coincidence for somebody who's spent the last 80 years reading obituaries. Like, something's up.
1: Yeah. So, she understands what's up, pretty much?
2: She understands what's up. Sure. Well... I mean, there was only really one thing that's happened since this started, and it's only been since uh, late 2021, like the last, I would say, six months, something like this.
1: Right. The real acceleration of that program.
2: Absolutely.
1: Well, we're going to get into that in some depth, so let's start before I forget. What is Autism Month? We want to include the people who have no idea what we're talking about.
2: Thank you. Um,
1: A couple of words about autism, why it matters, and what that program is about, Autism Month.
2: Thank you. Well, actually, uh, April is Autism Awareness Month, which I mean, people, they kind of sit on the fence of like how they feel about autism speaks in that group and things like that, because I think most of the people in my world are much more proactive about healing and recovering from autism, because right. autism is a label given to our vaccine injured children, which I believe actually just, you know, lets the, the, you know, the, the big pharma off the hook once again for what's happened to our children.
1: It lets them off the hook if people do not realize where it's coming from.
2: Well, some of us, unfortunately, realize it all too late because, you know, when you go from your OBGYN to your pediatrician, there is no like in between where they start to fill you in on actually what really children really do need because you start off life without knowing much about children when you have a family, some of us.
1: Right, right, right. So what do people run into? Most of them aren't prepared or know much about autism if they're going to have a vaccine injured child, what do they notice? And typically, wh- how how does the sequence go? What happens?
2: What typically happens, and, and this is just kind of a standard because there are other children that have other things, but typically right. they're getting their inoculations and everything is going along pretty okay. Like there's usually the first 12 months, you wouldn't really notice anything necessarily. And usually sometime between like 11, 12 months and two years, is where there becomes this huge drop off. But of course, right now, there's 72 vaccines in the childhood schedule internationally for children under the age of two, Mm -hmm. 72 vaccines under the age of two. And then people say to me, well, I kid only got like eight vaccines. In every one of those needles, there can be anywhere between five and 10 vaccines now.
1: Wow. So what do they notice after 12 months?
2: Uh, usually what would happen with my son, who was definitely vexed and injured because he was sharp as attack. he was born sharp as attack and he had this very, very, very amazing 12, because I have an older son, so I was able to compare my, my. I have two children, the first and the last, and the second one is the one with the autism, okay. but I noticed, you know, he was really so sharp, the you know pointing at things and engaged and always looking for things to get into, and you know he crawled on time, he walked on time, uh, he had a lot of words at the age of one, like he used to love to do flashcards, they were these baby brainy flashcards and he was, mm-hmm. you know bear and star and all these kind of things. So he had a lot of words where his brother at that age didn't have that many words, which is kind of common in bilingual homes. they usually talk a little bit later, even though they will have words but Patrick had words sooner than my first son and of okay. course he had many more words by a year so he was really on target to just be exceptional he was and, he was and, you know always exceptional
1: and your first son somehow got through the challenges without being noticeably affected by the damage right
2: Yeah, it's not so noticeable unless you sit and talk with him for a little while, then maybe you might notice that he had some issues with it, too. But uh, there's kind of two different kind of different kids. And you start to well, in my life, because I've spent 18 years dealing with the autism spectrum, you start to realize that there are certain issues uh, that usually the siblings have some issues and they might not be so noticeable because they're, you know, they're not they don't fall really on the autism spectrum, but they can have issues as well.
1: So the resistance varies. From individual to individual.
2: It does. But I still see families I work with, and they have two and three kids with autism. So there's wow. definitely, and they said there's like a 10% genetic component, because if it was a 100% genetic component, we wouldn't be able to have an epidemic. And this is an epidemic at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back to what you notice at, typically at 12 months or something more or less. They
2: start losing eye contact. They're less interested in the social movements and you know all the stuff that babies are into and uh-huh. they stop pointing that's one of the first things that they stop doing is pointing and showing and then um usually starts things like diarrhea or constipation or a combination of the two night okay. wakings crying um and then of course if they had speech they start to lose the speech
1: and then the parent takes them to the doctor I guess, right? Well,
2: you'd, in my case, for example, I didn't really know what was going on. It was just, it was like, you know, the terrible two started early was kind of what everybody mm, was thinking.
1: Okay, okay. And
2: it was not really so um, so shocking. You know, I'd go to the pediatrician here and there, um, but I was going to the health department for the shots because um, the grandmother of my kids, her best friend was a, a, a high-level nurse from one of the health departments. And she always told me it was important because of the time I lived in Mexico And I lived in a beach town. So we would lose electric. We'd have these brownouts, you know, things like that. So she said, it's really better to go there because they have generator backups Uh on the refrigerators instead of going to your pediatrician, which I'm not even sure, like, do they have a different batch that goes to the public, that goes to the private sector? I I don't even know, Richard. It's, It's just so, so creepy.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. So typically, do parents wait? And and think like you did that it's it must be normal and they're just going through some difficulty and they don't I go to the so. doctor soon.
2: Well, Especially back in the day, because I'm talking about 20 years ago. My son was right. 22 this year, so this is like happening 19, 20 years, ago, 20, 21 years ago. So there was this. There really wasn't the prevalence of autism, and certainly not in where I lived. There were just I didn't know anybody with a child with autism when I my child was diagnosed.
1: What's the difference in prevalence between 20 years ago and now?
2: Um I think it's one in thirty.
1: And it and used to well, be one
2: in sixty six, between one in sixty six and one one in two hundred, something so like that. So it's about doubled in twenty years. It's, and actually, exponentially, it's it's risen. I think it's even more than that. You know, okay. like 1 in 30 versus 1 in 200. I forget what this exponential rate of growth is, but it's something terrible. And my dear friend, Dr. Stephanie Seneff from MIT, did the, did the statistics on these numbers. And she said that by the time 2032, and she said this back about six, seven years ago at an Autism One conference, she said, by 2032... Every other child born will have di- uh, will have be diagnosed with autism in their lifetime. Which one is and fr- two. Every other person born, right?
1: Okay. Wow. Which is
2: staggering, and because it really takes a village to raise a child with autism, and right. that's if you have the if you have the finances to do it. It's it's frighteningly expensive.
1: And that, that's compounded by the fact that other other conditions are increasing as well at the same time.
2: Of course, absolutely, because right. I also see a lot of type one diabetes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of ADHD, ADHD um, Addison's disease, like a lot of different uh, right. what would be injuries. I believe these are. And
1: remember that uh, the control group project correlated vaccines with uh, all these different health conditions and found out that what, in the totally unvaccinated people, the right. percentage of diabetes is zero.
2: Well, if you look at the Amish or there was another uh, the Amish is one group that you can look at because they are not vaccinated and they don't have autism in their in their society. And then there's also there's also a a pediatric practice out of out of Chicago, somewhere outside of Chicago. And they have like mostly homeschooled and non-vaccinated children in their practice. And they also Uh. don't have autism. So.
1: Right. Right. So you didn't notice what it was right away. What what made you finally realize what was happening?
2: Well, at first, when things were going pretty wrong, you know, different people would say, like, what's wrong with Patrick? And I'd be like, oh, okay. they told me, you know, and when I would go to his baby visits or whatever to the pediatrician, she would tell me, oh, he's pedi- he's bilingual home or uh-huh. he's spoiled. You know, this kind of uh, lots of different excuses, everything but what was actually happening. So then I kind of got tired of asking people what was wrong with my son. And then um, I had my children at a at a, a school. And the director of the school one day said to me, oh, uh, you know, a friend of mine's in town and she's a a psychologist and Mm -hmm. I would like Mm -hmm. her to see your kid. So it was like a Friday afternoon. So I said, "Okay, we'll come back. And so there was just like, you know, my two kids. And of course, one of them just running in circles, squealing like a dolphin and flapping. And the Mm -hmm. other one was just sort of sitting there next to me. And then she started to ask me about Patrick. She was very focused on Patrick. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. well, my other child wasn't really doing well in school, but of course, his brother wasn't sleeping through the night. So there was a lot of screaming going on in the middle of the night because he would scream and cry and wake up. And, you know, right. nobody was really sleeping in the house that well by that point because he was really sick. Uh, but you don't know what's happening. They don't know really, that your child is sick just because mm-hmm. everyone says he's fine, you know, but he's not fine.
1: And for you at that point, you were not aware of autism in general.
2: Right. Not at all. Not at all. I had heard that Sylvester Stallone had a child with autism. That was the only thing that I'd ever mm. heard of, the only person I'd ever heard of in my okay. lifetime. And one of my friends from from grammar school babysat somebody who had autism. But again, I never went with her, so I didn't really know what that was. Just nothing really to correlate with my life. And then that that her name was Mimi. And I'm really grateful for her because she had the guts to tell me what was going on. I think that's a lot of problems that most of us have is it just nobody really wants to tell you the bad news because it's really bad news.
1: And And now it's the psychologist that did that.
2: She was, not and, and I asked her, I said, well, what's the chance that you, and she asked me, does he always run in circles? Does he always, you know, flap? And does he always squeal like a dolphin? Tell and people I said, what
1: flapping is, because not everybody knows.
2: This sort of thing. So they're kind of running and flapping their hands by those okay. kinds It looks like they're trying to fly, but it's. Obviously yeah, some kind yeah. of the stimuli that they do. But it's it's, some
1: kind of nervous feeling that they're getting.
2: And they all do this. Like not all of them, I shouldn't say, but there are a lot of the kids have, you know, some of these same uh, behaviors like my son had right when he was right, diagnosed. Right. right. And okay. so she asked me if he did those things because he was doing them and she says, Does he always do that? And then, yeah. And then she said, Well, I think your son has autism. And I, I said, that, What's the chance that you're wrong? And she said, Well, mm-hmm. I did my postgraduate uh in in autism so mm. it was kind of highly unlikely
1: right right and
2: uh and and i asked her you know well, what happens because i knew he was born fine and he had this mm-hmm. period of typical development so it only been the last like you know year and a half two years that things were not going so well yeah um and so i asked her i said well was there anything i can do and she said well there's this, there's a psychologist here in this town and it was like you know living in a beach town you know looking, mm-hmm. there's nobody mm-hmm. there that could help me and so she goes if you want you know you can come tomorrow and I'll introduce you to these these women. So I went there, and the women they were just freaked out. They were just like like looking, and you know they had no idea what they were doing either. And I wasn't sure if she was actually trying to get like a little business together where she was going to try to train these people. Couldn't these, tell. What was these
1: going. were parents of other autistic kids. No, they
2: were psychologists. So they were this, psychologists. Okay. So this psychologist from the States who gave me the diagnosis, she was introducing me to people that could help me do maybe therapies with my son to get him better or something of this nature.
1: Okay. Okay. So there just happened to be a bunch of psychologists in your well, two.
2: two. Well, there were two. And, and again, this was like when I saw them and then this other one from the States was trying to tell me that these two who were totally freaked out. Uh, were going to help me i realized i was absolutely in the wrong place so then i oh, yeah. um i got out of dodge and this is really before internet took off so this is you know it's like 20 uh, 2004 it was, okay. it was actually march 12 2004 that he was diagnosed with autism never forget it worst day of my life because you know your life has changed forever you just don't know what or how but it's changed forever
1: right so you quickly found out what autism was
2: we had t- it took about two weeks before I really had put the whole thing together because I really didn't know what happened. Again, now I'm now sleepless for two years. So I'm still not really okay. And my right. kids not well. So everything right. is, you know, as a mother, it's just a t- total total train wreck than trying to keep my life together because I have an older son who's four years older than the, the three and a half year old that just got diagnosed who had his activities after school that he had to go here and there. And, you know, right. and I was the one that drove the kids all the time. So right. it was really a heavy, a heavy cross. Um, but I started to look for other people. So immediately when I came home that night, Uh, The other moms of some of the friends of my son was a Friday night. They were picking up their kids, and I was totally destroyed when I got home. And so I said, um, the one mom said to me, oh, I have a book about diet for uh, for autism and ADHD. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, great. Can you lend it to me? So she lent me the book, and I quickly read it. And it basically talked about a diet without gluten and casein. Okay. So I said, OK, house, we're going on a diet mm, And of right. that my son, he only by that point, by three and a half years old, he only ate everything with wheat and dairy. He had self-selected the worst foods for him. Huh, and if he didn't get those, Richard, the crying and screaming and drooling and throwing himself on the floor would be something nobody could tolerate. And there's like arguing and negotiating on top of the screaming child. So he really had such a poor diet. The only thing that he ate mm. that was l- gluten free and casein free we're potatoes. So I said, okay, we're going to do uh, French fries made out of potatoes, like oh. buy the potato, chop it up, add coconut oil and sea salt. So he ate that for about three weeks straight. He didn't eat anything else. He wouldn't eat anything else. But by three days, he started to say words again. Wow. So he started to recover some speech. And by this time, my mother had a friend. She has a friend still. And the friend works at the University of Chicago. I'm from Chicago. And uh, Bennett Leventhal, this Dr. Bennett Leventhal is a psychiatrist. I think he's still alive. Um, he ran like a center where people put their kids in an institution. Mm-hmm. And so my mother talked to her friend. She says, oh, come my, you know, Carrie, just got the diagnosis, you know, and I know that Bennett is the biggest guy in, you know, autism. He's He's the biggest guy in institutionalizing children with autism. So that's not something we want to do. But anyway, so um, I get a call with this, with this man because he's friends of my mother's friend, the University of Chicago. Yeah. So I get him on the phone. And, uh, and he's like, oh, I don't have an appointment for six months. And I said, oh, but you know, I understand by this point, I'd already you know really done some investigation. I knew that time was of the essence and that there is recovery for some people and time, like I said, the age, the younger, the better, the faster. And so you had
1: I, noticed the difference with the potato diet. Uh,
2: exactly. I mean, the gluten-free, casein-free, and of course, in his, our case, it was just potatoes because they didn't eat anything else. Right. So he was already saying words. So when I said to the doctor then I wanted to challenge him a little, not challenge him, but I wanted to see you know what he was made of yeah. I said, well, well i started my son on a gluten-free diet and he said oh you don't have to do that but if you want to do it it doesn't really matter and then i said well when's the nearest appointment for you and he said oh six months from now and i said yeah but you know It doesn't make a difference if you start now or you start in six months and i was just okay thank you very much and i got off the phone i called my mom like i would this never see this guy this you know, is and-
1: a really important point I mean, this is not just one in a sequence of things that happen. What you did is discovered the correlation between ordinary everyday lifestyle habits and so-called medical conditions. And the, the allopathic medical industry is saying none of that matters. That just ignore the correlation. Don't look at it. What drug do you need? And once the drugs do too much damage, what surgery do you need?
2: What's the business right. model? I mean, how is a business model curing something or recovering or healing somebody from something is a poor business model if you're in the business well, of Right, drugs. but I
1: think most doctors are well-motivated people that I've met, and I don't think they realize this is not just for money. This is willing to hurt people for money yeah. and draw out the suffering and mask the real situation for money. So. You know, it's more than just they're making a lot of money. If they were making a lot of money telling you the truth, that wouldn't be so bad, but they're doing it by accentuating the suffering. This applies to a vast portion of the medical industry. And right. you yeah
2: right, sorry, yeah, and you cannot also you know put because there's a lot of people that do wake up and they already have a yeah. medical degree, and they're like, "Oh, those are bad, i don 't do those anymore, or exactly. this is good, and it's alternative b twelve or diet or some supplements or whatever
1: those are people strong enough to break the programming, right right, and hopefully it's going to spread, but you encountered it, you proved it real early, <laughs> even if the potato diet wasn't the final answer. I mean, you found <laughs> out, wait a minute. The right. potato diet made a massive difference. <laughs> right. No negative side effects, no drugs. Right. This is really meaningful.
2: Well, some people think that you have to have a wide variety of foods in a child's diet when they're sick. And actually, one of the things yeah. that I've noticed, Richard, and I have to tell you, I have a group of children that are doing the carnivore diet, Classic. Uh-huh. Carn- they're au- children with autism doing the carnivore diet, and there's 42 of them. And they're doing remarkably well. And I really think sometimes elimination diets where you're only eating maybe one or two different foods. Well, yeah, foods.
1: people look at what you are eating, but a lot of times what, what it's really masking is the effective part is what you're not eating,
2: right.
1: which is so much garbage that people are used to, Right.
2: But even some of the healthy things I found. So, for example, I'm not sure if you know who Dr. Russell Blaylock is.
1: Very well. Yeah.
2: Okay. He's amazing. And I think a lot of his work is really overlooked. And I think that we really need to take a look at it. There's a book that he wrote in 1995, which is still cutting edge and nobody's talking about it. And he talks about glutamate. And he, you know, he talks about an excitot, it's uh, the name of the book is excitotoxins, the taste that kills. Yeah. And what he's talking about is glutamate. Now you and I might know it as like the Chinese food stuff that makes your, jo- your joints hurt and you feel tired and like and listless the next day. But it's yeah. also occurring naturally in foods like tomatoes, bananas, broccoli, cauliflower and almonds, which I used to be a big fan of the ketogenic diet for autism because you get rid of all of the, the, ca- the carbs and you're, not, you're starving the, the candida and the back in the parasites. But actually foods like I just mentioned are you actually eat all
1: the ones you just mentioned.
2: Exactly. Exactly. But so th-
1: which can be fine for most people.
2: Right. Exactly. I mean, they're but when they're not have, going to be
1: killed by a banana.
2: No, no, no. But if you have a leaky gut, like is in the case of everybody with autism has a leaky gut. And then these, these certain wow. chemicals or proteins are getting to the brain via the bloodstream. And like Dr. Like Dr. Uh, Blalock wrote about in his book in 1995, Excitotoxins, a taste that kills. So when it gets to the brain, there's glutamate, even though it's naturally occurring in bananas and tomatoes and other right. things like that, gets to the brain, it causes an excitotoxic effect on the neurons and kills brain neurons. So this is uh. horrible stuff, especially if we're trying to, you know, cover, uh, co- recover somebody and we need as much brain power as we can get.
1: Right, right. Wow. So if you're on a mono diet, by definition, no matter what mono diet it is, unless it's a high glutamate diet, you're going to be eliminating that stuff.
2: Exactly. And I just, when I switched, and, and it was a book that I had on my shelf for about 15 years, one of the first books I ever bought, because he was really big in the autism conference areas about 15 years ago, sort of when I was still going to autism conferences. Uh-huh. And uh, and that's when I bought a couple, actually bought a couple of his books, but he's really light years ahead of even what's happening now. I think that so many doctors or practitioners in the autism community, just, you know, you sit down with them, and I've been to probably eight or nine different ones, and they say, Mm -hmm. okay, are you on the diet? The diet. Like, yeah, we're on the diet. But, you know, you got to really look at what these children are eating and then see how they're doing. Like, we use something called an ATEC score. ATEC is Autism Treatment Evaluation Checklist, which is A-T-E-C, and it's a free test that you can do at autism.org. It was created by Dr. Bernard Rimland. He passed away in 2006, but he's the person that lit up the world by saying, there's something wrong with our children and something happened to them. It's not the refrigerator mother. He was the first one to write a book about that in 1964. So he yeah. created this test, which is fantastic, and he was uh, actually a-, a retired military psychiatrist, Created this scoring system, and basically an ATEC of zero to ten would mean you don't have autism. So, you know, if you and I sat down and did the test ourselves on ourselves, our ATEC would be zero or one, typically. Okay. Kind of, kind what, of what kind of get.
1: stuff is on that test? What's it? For like?
2: example, there's five sections. One of the sections is speech, and the question will be, "Does your child speak one word? Yes, no, maybe, sometimes." Two words, yes, no, maybe sometimes three-word sentences. Does he speak for his age? This kind of thing, mostly. Okay. And then you go into the next one of like sleeps of the night, bathrooming. Does it wear diaper? uh, Behavior hitting, uh, social cues, pointing. So there'll be five different sections. And of course, the most important thing is to get to zero. That's where we're all trying to go. But it was created by Dr. Rimland. And he created also the Autism Research Institute in 1970, which was really just the beginning of a hub where he was putting together information. Because after he wrote the book, Infantile Autism in 1964... He uh, w- was bombarded with, with with mail, you know, physical mail of people around the world saying, oh, my child has autism and I'm giving a uh, gluten-free, casein-free diet and my child is better. I'm giving uh, cod liver oil, my child is better. I'm giving magnesium with B6. And so he started to bring all this information together and he started mm-hmm. to uh, get other doctors that were interested in learning about this and understanding that we've got a condition here and we can make it better with these things. And and through that came many amazing brains together, not just right. Dr. Rima, but he would have huge conferences. I went to one in uh, 2005 and in 2006, and there were thousands of parents, like 10,000 parents. I went to one in Washington, D.C., and Chicago, and um, different places in the United States. It used to be more popular. Now there's a lot of online stuff, even though Autism One, I think, is at the end of this month, and that's going to be in Arizona.
1: When did people start realizing that the primary cause could be vaccines.
2: Hmm. I think I think around the uh, 2000s kind of right around there. Dr. Okay. Wakefield is the one in 1998. He uh, Dr. Dr. Andrew Wakefield and he was at the Royal Free Hospital and he was a, a gastroenterologist and he was a, a lab uh, Scientist, Mm -hmm. and they had this autistic enterocolitis and you know he would see all these patients coming in and they have these distended bellies and they're crying and they don't sleep through the night and all this kind of digestive problems and so they did sampling from inside of the guts of i forget how many children and he was able to trace that same strain of the measles virus all the way back to a petri dish the mmr was the vaccine that he was able to cross relate to a lab
1: Right. And his conclusion, if I understand it right, was just asking the question, could it be related?
2: Right. Yeah, Yeah. And he still stood by it. And I actually was in a call with him uh, in Autism Awareness Month. It was a kind of a a little roundtable thing. And he was like the guest. And there was about five or six of us that were present. And somebody asked him a great question. Tanya, the lady who was doing the MC, she said, you know, are you ever afraid? And he, you know, he lost his, he lost his ability to practice medicine. They took his license away. They took his, his uh, passport. They took his citizenship away. He was born in UK. This was in the
1: UK that they did this.
2: Exactly. I think he lives in Texas now. I'm not really sure, but he definitely lives in the United States, but he's no longer a medical doctor. He's, you know, he's actually doing movies and important movies like that's the movie. He, that was the first one. And then Mm -hmm. he came out with another one. I think it's called 1985. And or 1986. And so he's been doing movies now. He's actually working, I think, on one that's going to be in a big production, like, you know, kind of like one of those Paramount or Hollywood type things. But he's found, you know, thank God he's found another, you know, second, a second lease in life on, on things that he likes to do. But, you know, telling the truth cost him basically everything. And that's what I think, you know, and and what the question, what she asked was, you know, are you ever afraid? And he said something that for me actually is helping me to change the way I see things, too, because they haunt you. I mean, as soon as you have some, like Gary Null said, you know, as soon as you have a cure for something or treatment for something, they haunt you. And that's really what it is. They haunt you, they make you miserable, they make you broke, or they kill you. So something is going to happen. I want
1: this to really get through to people who are not familiar with this mechanism that's in place, the medical system we've got now, which does some really good things for people who get run over by cars and emergency medicine and trauma care and things like that. And the very few necessary surgeries like for congenital birth defects and things like Mm -hmm. that, as far as disease and sickness goes, they're killing millions of people and they're, and they're masking, What's known as cures for so many things In fact, I don't think you're supposed to say cure anymore
2: You can't You're, you're supposed, not supposed to say manage to Yeah, or, or um, a remission That's it, it's in remission
1: Yeah, remission, in other words, all right, it's about to come back Right In remission. fact, that's common in the cancer industry Which is a big industry right. And right. they're saying, well, we're going to do this treatment with chemotherapy or something So, you know If you specifically know what to ask, they'll often say, well, yeah, it usually comes back in about six years or something like that, whatever the number is, which makes it a success if you make it through five before it comes back. But cancer has been cured a long time ago, and you're not supposed to talk about that either. Right. So it's a choice for society, you know, are we going to stay enslaved by the so-called experts? that are being pressured to say certain things and not say other things? Or are we going to realize that people like you who are the mother of an autistic child had a breakthrough when you realized the connection with the potato diet that was beyond...
2: sounds so bad, Richard. (laughs) That
1: was beyond 99% of what the medical industry knew about. Right. Uh,
2: Well, at least the ones I was encountering, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... Wakefield was a beginning of asking the question, I guess, of the correlation.
2: Right. He was the one that first documented this and then it started to raise red flags. But the incidence of autism from 1998 just shot up exponentially. It was like one in 500. And then it was like quickly one in... 210, I think. And then my son's generation, he was born in 2000. And then he was, um, I think he won one in 166. Uh So it was just, you know, up, 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 up. And then now it's like one in 30 or 40, something
1: like that. Right. And at at this point, people are realizing vaccines seem to be the primary trigger, but there's contributing factors. You mentioned that they all have leaky gut. So Eating anything with uh, GMO ingredients or Roundup right. or anything like that would be a really bad idea, right?
2: Right. But also what we don't realize, and I, uh, Dr. Roby Mitchell and different people along my path said, you know, there's a lot of things that created this perfect storm, because it was only the vaccine then well, every child would have it. You know, every vaccinated child would have autism. That's right. And that's not the case. But we right. can look at other groups of people like the the Amish, for example, and they don't have autism in their community, or uh, this little pediatric practice, which I think they had 20,000 like, homeschooled kids, and they were all non-vaccinated, and none of them had autism. So we can look at these groups. And, of course, you know, th- they're never going to get the medical establishment to do an official study of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated because, obviously, the unvaccinated would come out so much more healthy.
1: Right the study's been done just not by them
2: exactly exactly right?
1: just, so what kind what kind of things are being discussed in the autism awareness month now compared to 20 years ago
2: um well right the world that i live in there's something called dot commu-sav, com, and it's a group of people that started about 20, uh, 2 years ago how did they spell start that? it's uh C-O-M-U-S-A-V dot com. Right. There's, I don't know, there's thousands of doctors, there's attorneys, and then there's, you know, just individuals like us who uh, were able to watch chlorine dioxide, uh, uh, what would you call it, put into remission, covid so they started right. a group like this, and then it just grew and grew and grew through Latin America. That was really the biggest push point. And every other place with the mainstream uh, mainstream news, they just shut it down. But it was really a big uh, thing because Bolivia actually wrote into law during the COVID uh, pandemic that they were reversing COVID, even in people that were in critical care at the very end. Yeah. And the government of Bolivia gave away two Olympic swimming, size, swimming pools full of chlorine dioxide and then of course mike adams and some of these other people are talking about it now more openly on their their platforms about Mm -hmm. how they took chlorine dioxide or bob the plumber and these you know these people are like going around and clay clark and these you know kind of these sort of the patriots are getting together with the uh the alternative health group as well and and sort of pushing it through so i think it's giving more light to it
1: so, what kind of events happen in Autism Awareness Month? I mean,
2: well, I think that, so that you seeing, can say
1: what happened during that time.
2: Well, what I see, for example, and what what I was part of was a lot of different have events. So every Saturday there was a a, a different uh, talk. Like sometimes it was about treatment. Sometimes it was a question and answer for the experts. And sometimes it was, it was one that was just parents' recovery, their children recovered, and they were there saying how their child recovered. And some of them had their children present to say they recovered. So wow. there was a lot of really cool stuff. But these are all people that I use diet. I wouldn't call it really the potato diet, but I would say gluten-free, casein-free for sure. Right, uh, right,
1: right. And
2: then, of course, chlorine dioxide. So those are like the key components The two healing and recovery. And I noticed, for example, when I used to go to Venezuela back in 2011, 12, 13, so I would go March and October. So we used to do two conferences a year in Venezuela, and there'd be thousands of parents there. And mm-hmm. I know one time just from between the first and the second uh, conference that I did, we had about 40 kids recover and they were on a pretty simple diet. I mean, it was, you know, we got rid of the wheat, we got rid of the dairy, but there were still a lot of foods in there that you would say, you know, might not be the best or the most ideal. And the kids mm-hmm. still recovered because they were using chlorine dioxide and we were doing things that were, you know, pro-health, gut-sealing, mm-hmm. pathogen-killing, inflammation-reducing.
1: So there's only really two things that the power structure doesn't want you to talk about with respect to diseases, the cause and the remedy, right? They definitely don't want you to talk about
2: the remedy, for sure.
1: Right. Well, the cause too, because those are big business things.
2: Right. Right. Yeah, they will shut you down or make you pretty miserable.
1: Yeah. So it kind of relates to the situation in general in society right now in countries that don't have free speech, like America, for example.
0: Right. And, yeah. you
1: know,
0: well,
2: the you know. Facebook groups, I used to have 60,000 people in my Facebook groups and with 13 different languages. Right. And then one day to the next, Richard, they were just turned off. It was like sometime in February of 2019, we woke up and there wasn't one group there. My, I'm, I mean, even my, I, I don't even have the, my, I guess when I go and look for myself in Facebook, for example, I can see that I'm there, but there's yeah. nothing there. So I, I can't even access it. So it's right. just they just leave them there. And and it's really unfortunate because Telegram is great, but it's not, you know, definitely not Facebook. And then, of course, I also sort of feel like soured by the whole social media I- experience. You know, you yeah. and a lot of people are not familiar with like like Gab or some of the other ones that are much more American based than, you know, international like Facebook. is you know, Everybody has Facebook, you know, and internationally, right. but not right. everybody has Gab or Telegram, for example.
1: So what was the, what do you think came out of autism awareness month this year?
2: Well, in my world, I yeah. think it was just more confirmation of the fact that autism is avoidable, treatable and curable, even though we just say it's going to be a remission.
3: Mm-hmm. Do you
1: think it's remission or or cure? Let's well,
2: I think it's cure because it, uh, cure is the absence of disease. If you look it up in the Webster's dictionary, it is the absence of disease. So when well, the disease remission
1: means you're going to get it again too. Well,
2: that's what I think, you know. But this is how they like us to talk. They don't like us to use that word cure. That will definitely get you taken off any other place.
1: You're, you're not talking about the autism uh, awareness people. You're talking about the. Mainstream industry, medical industry.
2: Right. A friend of mine, Dr. Roby Mitchell, rest in peace, he passed away a year and a half ago. Great man. Uh, Protector of the truth. And Uh he put up billboards around Amarillo, Texas, and said we cure autism. There was a picture of my book. There was a picture of my face. And then there was my email. And I used to have a Yahoo account. So, he surprised me one day. He's like, look what I just posted all over all over Amarillo, Texas. And I looked at it. And I said, oh my gosh. And within, <laughs> within 12 hours, my email was gone. I had had it for 20 years. It was absolutely gone. And was and the like,
1: email oh. was given on the billboard?
2: Yeah, exactly. Okay. But I didn't have my own survival. I, You know, little by little, you start to realize what's happening is I lost my PayPal, I lost my Chase Bank account, and, you know, as wow. the stuff starts going away. So, most of
1: these giant corporations are going along with the suppression.
2: Absolutely.
1: And they're full of good people working for them, but they don't realize the bosses are using them for some really bad ends.
2: Yeah. And I also think that we don't realize our power. And I think David Icke has been talking about this, you know, for, for decades now, you know, there's power in numbers, but we, you know, as long as as we stay sitting down, like, like my friend Mark Grennan said, I talked to him the other day and he said, he's sitting in jail because he used chlorine dioxide and was open about it. And he said, you know, if all of us would stand up, they couldn't fit us all in jails.
1: Yeah. Why don't you give a little bit of history for people that never heard of chlorine dioxide, where it, where it came from?
2: So chlorine dioxide. Jim Jim
1: Humboldt, Grenin. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Chlorine dioxide has been around since the 1800s, and it's a pro-oxidant from the family of oxygen, ozone, chlorine dioxide, and hydrogen peroxide. So they all kill through oxidation, not chlorination. Like pools are chlorination. So that actually is toxic. But chlorine dioxide is a totally different molecule. And I think most medical professionals, when people will ask, oh, doctor, should I take chlorine dioxide? No, it's chlorine. It's pool bleach, you know? It's bleach, right? Yeah, and that's sodium hypochlorite. So that's a whole other chemical, even though they can sound, you know, sodium, salt, you know, so they all sound sort of the same, but they're all so very different. So, right. Jim Humble was a miner. Uh, he was mining gold in South America when uh, the, the, the camps of miners were falling ill with malaria. And he had chlorine dioxide for water purification. And they sell them in camping stores. So you can just purify water on site. And, and it's it. been
1: approved for that for a long time.
2: It's been approved for many things. There's a lot of patents like uh, mouth, mouthwash and uh, different types. And There's uh, hundreds of patents for chlorine dioxide with oral use.
1: So this must be really stressful psychologically for the controllers, because since they can, approved it, it's okay. really hard to say it's poison.
2: Well, they say it anyway, but yeah, they yeah. You know, they, they don't mind contradicting themselves. But but that's yeah. uh, and then of course what happened, I I kind of fell in like I um, I bought some because this doctor now in Mexico, Latin America. I was living in Mexico at the time. Latin America has been very open to alternative health for a long time, so. I was uh, at a pediatrician's office, you know, standard pediatrician from medical school, graduated, but he also did ozone therapy and chlorine dioxide as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was talking to him and this, this nurse came in with this box full of beautiful bottles. There were some like emerald green and sapphire blue and being a woman, I'm like, oh, what are those? <laughs> and yeah. he said, oh, these are detoxification drops. I said, oh, I'll take some of those. So yeah. I'm like, how do I do this? put a drop with a drop and drink it? You know, I was like, oh, okay. And then I was $20 a bottle. And of course, I was not too impressed with $20. And he didn't say that it was for autism. He just said they were detox, as I thought, for myself. So I stuck them in a shelf, and I never looked back. I, you know, Another year passed. Right. And at, after that, my son had seen probably eight or nine doctors had done extremely expensive treatments from IV chelation and stem cells and you know, five, six different diets. And of course, every supplement known to man. Right. Um, it, lots of different things. I mean, there's really nothing we didn't do. And then in 2010, my son was about to turn 10 at the end of the summer. So June of 2010, I really prayed. You know, I used to beg, pray, but this was more like making a deal. Like, it's going to be difficult, but I'll still do it. And just kind of like that kind of concept. And then I had remembered about the chlorine dioxide and I'll get those out and see what happens. I put a drop with the drop and it activated. And I said, okay, let me see what the internet has to say. Now, back in the day, you could do a Google search and you actually get a search engine. It wouldn't be a propaganda tool. So yeah. I found cl- chlorine dioxide, and it was it. It destroyed the virus. It killed uh, Candida, bacteria, parasites. Took down inflammation, reduced oxidative stress, uh, What, what year
1: are you talking about? When two
2: thousand ten, were... summer of two thousand ten.
1: Testimonials all over YouTube.
2: Oh, all over, yeah. all over. Oh my gosh, there was so much positive stuff. I would just read and read and read and read and read. And at that yeah. point. The father of my son didn't want to hear anything more about treatments because he was, you know, tired of spending, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands sure. of dollars and getting really poor results. And of course, there's Patrick, you know, taking all the supplements and eating all the, the foods. And anyway, so, um, I was at my clinic. I had a, by then I'd opened a biomedical clinic and I had hyperbarics and chelation and neurofeedback and therapies and all kinds of stuff. Doctors, nurses, psychologists, because I brought everything for Patrick to, Mexico, so wow, well, I might as well share it with other people, and that's basically what we're doing over at the clinic, a not-for-profit organization. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was, I was there one day. It was like maybe late July, early August, and my son's birthday is the twelfth of August, and he was about to be turning ten. I always try to start some sort of a new treatment around the time of his birthday, so that I would feel more positive. This might be the year that he would recover. Sure. And so I go into the clinic, and the people that were just coming out of my hyperbaric chamber where um, the cousin and his girlfriend of uh, very close friends to my, so the father of my son. And I said to them, oh, hi, how are you? And they said, we're taking chlorine dioxide. And that was like the weirdest response to, hi, how are you? You know, Instead of being like more, well, anyway, so that was very strange. I'm like, oh my gosh, you don't know. I've been researching this for six weeks, but I just don't know how to bring it up. I mean, nobody wants to hear about what I'm thinking or what I'm seeing. And I see this to be really, really positive. Like, no, no, we'll come to the house and we'll talk about it and everything. So we all got to, you know, we went like, hey, great. So we run over to the house and we're all talking about it. I invite the father to talk about it. And so we're all talking about it. And, and he said, well, we'll take it first. And if we don't die, then we'll give it to Patrick. And again, right. like, you know, keep your expectations low. So that's pr- pretty much what we're doing exactly. at the time. And we didn't die. So we started Patrick. And then that's when I contacted Mark Grennan, who Jim Humble was, Mark, was with Mark Grennan in the Dominican Republic. And they had like a little... Um, kind of a center you know where people would come and they would get trained to use chlorine dox and they would share right. just to keep
1: know. up that strand of the story you said that jim humble tried it out on some people with malaria in the jungle in south america
2: right and so the people right. were recovering then they went jungle to jungle and recovered people and yeah. then some people over in africa heard about it so and, the Jim ended this up jumping is, over to
1: malaria is considered incurable isn't it it's yeah, tre- right. treatable
2: Well, yeah, millions of children are dying in Africa every year because of malaria. Right, this is
1: this is a really big deal
2: because if we
1: were living in an honest system, that what Jim Humble discovered. Exactly. Would have spread all over the world,
2: and no child would die from malaria because the, the Red Cross, with Leo Koff, rest in peace, in 2011, did a study. They did a study with the Red Cross, and you can still see it on YouTube, even though Red Cross denies it. So you know, they just even they just right. deny that it exists. But they did 54 cases where they took the the test prior, and then the next day, and they gave them some gift if they always came back because people came from you know towns all around this area. Was and, and Jim was,
1: Humble part of this procedure? He
2: wasn't, but Leo, but. because Because this is more recent. This was 2011. So Jim was already like up and up in age by this point. So other people were kind of doing his work. But Leo Keough, who has Jim Humboldt publishing in in, uh, Germany, he was also close to Jim. But he went to, and I think it was Rwanda.
1: You said he's no longer living, right?
2: No, he passed away. I talked to him. Good and God. I
1: asked, I invited him many years ago to come on the show about the malaria test, Amazing. and he said it was way too dangerous. He couldn't say anything about it.
2: Well, it's dangerous and it's not. I mean, the Red Cross just just denies it. Yet it still sits on YouTube. You can still look it up, and you can see it on YouTube.
1: Right, but he had been threatened.
2: Of course. Of course. Absolutely. No question about it. But they did 54. And it was literally the the morning, you know, the first morning, everybody tested positive for malaria. And okay. then 24 hours later, they only had one drink. They literally gave them I think the adults got six drops and the little kids got two or three drops. And then in, in
1: one glass of water.
2: Yeah, one glass of water. They took one sip. And then the next day they came back and all but one tested negative. And then the one who tested negative, they gave him one more dose, and then the next day he was negative too. so that was a hundred percent and you know twenty four This should be up.
1: like an, an, a brand new large scale newspaper should be created just for that result.
2: Yeah, and all these people that are so you know they're so like, oh we're, we're not racist, we're not well, then how come millions of children in Africa are dying every year from a curable malaria, and nobody's up in arms about this.
1: If somebody, is there anything obtainable at this point about the results to that test?
2: No, just the YouTube, because, you know, the YouTube video. That shows okay, can,
1: is it easy to find?
2: I will look for it after we finish talking, actually, I will okay. look for that, because I've seen yeah. it actually recently. Maybe if thinking.
1: we're recording this, so maybe if you find it, we'll put the, okay. link, the link in the description. Sure, sure, Because sure. this is really valuable.
2: It mm-hmm. is very valuable. If everybody shared these type of things in their own their own circles, we would have a better diffusion of information because we cannot get it out into the media. There's no way.
1: So how does the chain go from Jim Humble to Mark Grennan? then how did they get together?
2: Mark also started to treat himself. And I think we all kind of came, me, Mark, Andreas Kalker, Leo Kalker. We came to Jim Humble basically with each one with our own separate stories because uh, Mark had had, um, I think it was staff or something, and so he started to treat himself with Florian because he found that. There's was that else because
1: else. he read Jim's book?
2: I think so. I, I kind of okay. forget that little Cause bit. Because
1: that book is kind of still available, right?
2: Yeah, the little yellow one that he originally wrote, but Jim's written many books since then, and Mark has written a lot of books also more recently. But there was
1: a major big book called uh, Health. Something protocol. What is it? Yeah, health he's recovery got a, guidebook or something like nah,
2: that. Yeah, yeah, one of Jim's early ones.
1: Yeah. Okay, so Mark Brennan read the book probably and found out about it, started using right.
2: it exactly, and, and cured himself. And then he contacted Jim and said, "Hey, I've got this place because he used to do. Um, I think it was uh, uh, Doctors Without Borders or something like this because because okay. he had a property right next to Haiti and he was a pilot and so he hmm. used to fly.
1: What did he cure himself of?
2: I think strep, staff, something like that, something bad, staph. some kind
1: of infection, yeah. something
2: like that. Yeah, it was something that like nobody could cure him from.
1: Another incurable. Condition. Exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's vaccine injured too, because if you hear him, his voice sounds like he's kind of uh, straining, and yeah, uh, that yeah, was yeah. from he got paralyzed in the in the, in the in the in the in the in the throat, in the voice box, something of this nature, with the um, the swine flu vaccine.
1: 2009 or 10 or something like that. A long
2: time ago. long time ago. Yeah, he had that happen. So he was already aware that there were some things. He's got a large family and his kids are very healthy. All his grandchildren are very healthy. They're all non-vaccinated. But he's the one that actually answered my email to Jim because I sent a message to this. They called it a church, but it wasn't a religious church. It was just trying to give protection to people using chlorine dioxide because many people had been hunted and had their lives ruined.
1: What country were they in?
2: Uh, Dominican Republic
1: Okay, and I know the U.S. You know, in theory Protects religious practices Well What about the Dominican Republic? Do they, or what's their attitude?
2: Yeah, nothing to do with the Dominican Republic Because they're American citizens So actually what ended up happening To the the American citizens Is that the the U.S. government went after them Even though they were uh, not living in the U.S. What was it, the
1: FDA or what agency?
2: FDA which is not even an agency so
1: they works. went to totally dominican republic to attack
2: um they mark have and- mark and his boys had since moved from the dominican republic and uh mark and, and one of his sons were living in Colombia, and, and some of his other boys were living in florida and so I they see, but yeah. they they went and raided their house and they had chlorine dioxide there and uh, anyway so now they've been in jail for two years without a trial
1: some of um, them in Colombia, right
2: Mark is still in Columbia, but the three boys are the boys. I mean, they're in their 30s, but the boys are yeah. in uh, a jail in Florida. But again, I mean, Richard, what, what scares me as an American or what really concerns me or, you know, Jan Six. I mean, we don't have to go too far. These right. people are in jail without trials. They're just in jail. I mean, what about our country? What about What our are they freedom?
1: charged with?
2: Um, that's a very good question.
1: Or do they even have charges?
2: Um, I'm not sure because they don't even have a They don't even have a date for their trial. They're just sitting in jail.
1: Maybe they're terrorists, right? Because I I think there are special laws on the books that say if you're a terrorist, you don't need any due process. But these are terrorists who had a church and didn't do anything bad. Right. And the church is supposedly protected. It is protected by the Constitution, part of the First Amendment.
2: Well, but we know I, that's gone now. I mean, there is there are freedom of speech is really out the out the window in our right, country, which right. is so disturbing.
1: This is an indication of a much bigger problem. Absolutely right. So is Mark Mark Brennan is the one in prison in Columbia, Columbia still? Yeah.
2: Correct. And yeah. and
1: his three sons are in Florida. They're in Florida, in a
2: Florida jail. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and the church he started. Uh, he has the position. Of, what's his position? Deacon or what is it? I don't.
2: I don't remember. I don't remember. But um,
1: he's the head of it.
2: Maybe an archbishop or something like
1: this. Yeah, I think so. And then his sons are bishops or something sounds. like
2: this. I, mean, I think it was just because this is this this is a setup of a church. So they just went along like that, basically. I believe that that's kind of how they did it. And and the idea is a really good idea. If, in fact, the laws would protect what is truly a church, because if you do have sacraments and you do have your, you know, your Eucharist or whatever you call it, and it happens to be this without religion being behind it. And there was never any religion behind it.
1: Well, it's it's the but it's the belief that
2: something is healing, right?
1: The way the exemptions are written for various things, you just have to have a sincere belief. You don't have to be tied to an official big, you know, system of any kind.
2: Right, I think it was the Church of Health and Healing. I think that's because so it was really just about coming together for health and healing.
1: Yeah, there may be an exception if you start a church and the church is, you know, has a sacrament that's a crime, mm-hmm. but they weren't doing that.
2: No, no, no. I know the opposite of it. I mean, and actually, I went two times to the Dominican Republic because the first time I went to say thank you to Jim, because the fact that he had walked so many years by himself and the path is really, really difficult. Um, right. And so when I went there, there were so many wonderful people there that, you know, really wanted to help humanity. And I think that that's the, the vast majority of the people that I met in the whole chlorine dioxide movement was their desire to help humanity to survive what, you know, what we're being put through.
1: Yeah, it's more than just malaria. Yeah.
2: Oh, way more than just malaria. And then you get to meet people who have recovered their health from like Mark or Andreas had rheumatoid arthritis, or I watched you know, thousands yeah. of children recover from autism. So how do you stay quiet about that?
1: You know, it also brings up really interesting um, questions. If there was real medical research going on, not just working for the drug dealers, uh, they would be asking yeah. the question, why does one thing... Right cure these apparently really diverse conditions. Right. Are, are they all parasite-connected in some way? Or what's going on?
2: Well, if, if you have an autoimmune disease, and what I've noticed is that almost everybody without exception, has pathogen overload once the immune system is not working well. Because it's kind of like anarchy. The bad guys, they multiply, divide, and go wherever they want to go. It's exactly the same as the streets of Chicago now. So there is no control anymore, and that's what's happening in the body. And then the more and more pathogens you get, the more oxidative stress you get, the more inflammation you get, and the more symptoms of disease you get.
1: Right. And this could be more widespread because of things like the use of antibiotics.
2: Right. Well, I mean, and also glyphosate in our food, and you know the chemicals in our food, and
1: and what's in the water?
2: What's in the water? What's in the air? Heavy metals.
1: You know, it sounds that it. We're in a place where the truth sounds extreme, and we've been that we've been feeding on that teaching that don't have an extreme belief because then you're an extremist and a conspiracy theorist. And since people are losing their logic, maybe. That makes you a racist too, and some other things. But the truth is pretty extreme when you really look at it, compared to what we're being taught. And it's not safe to drink the water out of the tap, and I, it hasn't been for a long time.
2: Exactly, distill yeah. if you can. <laughs> distill if you can. Yeah,
1: distill or at least gravity filter or something like right. that.
2: Right. Yeah, I'm a big distiller these days because you used to see the stuff that comes out of the water; it's just absolutely frightening.
1: In your filter,
2: well, I, I use a distiller, so I mean, I oh, can see everything. Oh, so you're that's steaming it, right? I'm steaming. Yeah, I'm just getting just the water out of it. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Everything else stays behind them, which take fulvic, fulvic like minerals by themselves.
1: Right, right, amazing.
2: So yeah, it's frightening.
1: People have a choice right now. They they can go along with the mainstream authoritarian dictates of what health is about, or they can take on the responsibility to educate themselves. Right.
2: I think there's a lot of options still. You know, the more that I stay in this uh, this realm, the more that I realize there's so many more options. And even about three weeks ago, a friend of mine, amazing, amazing lady, um, she actually ended up getting sick from a detox protocol, not mine, but an- another one that she was doing. And she went to the doctor and she got an IV of something I'd never heard of. And she says to me, "Hey, have you ever heard of methylene blue?" And I'm like, "What's methylene blue?" And I guess it's also been around since the 1800s. And they used to just yeah. dye clothes, but then they found that it cured malaria. Wink, wink. I mean, what else do we know that cures malaria? That's and, interesting. Yeah. And then, um, so the other day, I've got this little program on TV that I do on Thursdays. I, I interviewed you one time as well. And right. I interviewed the author. His name is Mark Sloan. I'm not promoting necessarily him or his book, although I think that, as you can see, I got a lot of highlights in there. I think it's is a great it, book.
1: Is it a good book?
2: It is an amazing book. And this guy is sharp as a tack. He has about five books. If you go to his his, um, his website, it's called endalldisease.com. His name is Mark Sloan. He's written books on um, on baking soda, on red light therapy, on the cancer industry, cancer treatments. Uh, he has five, five books. And he's got a few that he gives away for free. And these are also not very expensive. I don't know what I paid for this, but maybe $12 or something. But yeah. I'd never heard of methylene blue. And it's kind of like one of those miracle treatments like chlorine dioxide. Yeah, you know, wasn't on-
1: it originally used as a dye or something? It, like yeah, that?
2: right. In 1800, it was used as a dye. And it, somehow they figured out that it worked for malaria. And then it was antipathogenic, and then it was working at the mitochondrial level. Wow. So, it's kind of like the answer to our prayers. Because was a lot it of, one of
1: those things that had no bad effects also? Right,
2: right. Yeah, there's no, I mean, the only time that you might feel, because it's letting go of nitric oxide, so sometimes if you have a lot of toxin in your body, you might feel bad if you start at full dose. And I think that's one of the things, people don't really know how to dose things, so they just uh-huh. start off at full dose, you got to die off, you feel bad. But if right. you start off with like a drop, you know, once a day, twice a day, this kind of thing and you go up a little at a time and you reach the full dose. Um, It's Richard. This is like the first time I've been really excited besides, well, of course, Dr. Daniels with her work with the turpentine, which is also very exciting and chlorine dioxide. I think that those three pieces are very important besides diet. And you can have a few supplements or like black seed oil or humic fulvic, or things like that, that you can use also with them. But I think tools, you know, to get to the mitochondria and actually uh, in the brain uh, there's more mitochondria and the brain needs more mitochondria. And one of the first things that methylene blue does is it goes where it's most needed first. Whereas like stem cells, you pay $30,000. They go everywhere. They go wherever they want to go.
3: Right. Methylene
2: blue goes to the brain first. And if it's got wow. autism, au- autism, depression, Alzheimer's, cancer, heart disease, cognitive impairment, pain, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, when you read the book, you're like, oh, my gosh, we all need this. And then when you see this stuff, it's dirt cheap also, like chlorine we, dioxide. You
1: mentioned IV, but it can be taken orally. Yeah,
2: right? yeah, orally. There, It drops. And there's even if you get a there's a few doctors that are prescribing it orally, you can get it out of a compounding pharmacy. Are well.
1: there good and not good places to get it? Yeah, I think so. Depends. Do you know? Do you yeah, know which I, I can which?
2: give you some. Sure.
1: Yeah. Give us links for that, too.
2: Okay. But I, this you, is the first one that's really blown me away in a while. I mean, it's been a while.
1: Wow. Yeah, it makes me want to read it. I haven't read the book at all.
2: Oh, amazing. And actually, I've at uh, first I was combing the internet. And there's actually quite, I mean, not Google, of course, but, you know, you go into actual search engines. But it, yeah. And YouTube has quite a few videos about it. I mean, if you go into and they talk about like all the benefits for cognition and cognitive impair and how it fixes it.
1: Wow. Wow,
2: it's amazing. I, I mean, I, and my mother. I'm just, i have just. I've sent one to like everybody I love. Like you know, here, here's thirty dollars. Enjoy it. You know, just take it. Yeah. Let exactly. me know when it arrives. So that's basically one of my new things. I mean, that's one of my most exciting things now. So, um, and the carnivore diet. I think I was mentioning that too. I have. There's like 40-some kids. One of the moms started... I got into the carnivore thing back in November. Started reading the books by Dr. Sean Baker, who I'm actually going to interview this week on my Brighteon channel. Right. Um, and it's basically like, you know, we were talking about the potato diet, as you call it. I mean, when you go into these mono It's what diets, you're
1: not eating.
2: Right, right. Exactly. Which it's is not, almost everything. Exactly, <laughs> Richard. Exactly. 100%. So you're just having some steak, you know, some steak, yeah. butter. If you don't have... You can't have butter, you have meat.
1: That means, you know, the the... The vegetarians could eat the potato diet if they don't want to eat
2: the meat. 100%.
1: And they're still not eating almost everything.
2: Oh, going back to this fellow Mark Sloan, he was also talking. If you if you go to brightyan. I have a little program called Champions with Kerry Rivera, and you put in Kerry Rivera, Mark Sloan, you'll come up with my interview last week. And he's okay. writing a new book on PUFAs, which is that polyunsaturated fatty acids. And he talks about you know what I think many of us think is really healthy, like olive oil, uh, avocado oil. I think there's a lot of us that think that those are good, which was me until last week. And he said, no, basically the only oils, the only fats that we should be having are coconut oil and butter. So, he That's was saying that even like avocados, which I believe to be like the perfect food from God, you know, this avocado is like, oh, sure. it's got everything we need, minerals and potassium. Yeah. Um, he actually said that it has a lot of these polyunsaturated fatty acids and it's actually not good for you, causes inflammation, causes, you know, this kind of stuff. So, uh, he's putting out another book soon. So, his books are great. And like I said, they're, they're short reads and they're just full of content and great the other, footnotes.
1: The other thing that people don't, haven't realized a lot is that, when you talk about an oil like butter being good, it is, but if you, if you can get it without heating it, it's miraculously better. And there are a few sources of raw dairy products, including butter, that change from disease causing once they're pasteurized to incredible health foods. And there, there was, and this is unknown to the vegans because they think, Anything from dairy is the worst thing in the solar system, and maybe the galaxy. But there was a sanitarium in Los Angeles, which used to be a wonderful health retreat area before it was built up. And um, that sanitarium, they took people off everything. They put them on a my, mono diet of raw milk, which the vegans would say, oh, my God, you're going to kill them all. They cured everything of everybody that came there.
2: Mono diet, it's what you're not eating It
1: was a mono diet And they were trying to find somebody with cancer This was 1890 But there was nobody with cancer So they couldn't try it out On that But everything else was cured Charles Sanford Porter Wow. And you can get that book still It's a mimeograph of his old notes Wow Really interesting Amazing. So, So this mono diet idea You know, we're told that if we don't get the You know, 75 essential nutrients And major food groups every day, you know, forget it, you're toast. Right. Right? It's not necessarily true.
2: No, no. And then especially when people have, I have sat down with so many different people that have Lyme disease, multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. And I ask these people always. All incurable. Yeah, yeah, all incurable. And you talk with them and I say, oh, they ask me, well, well, do I have to do a gluten-free diet? And I I say to them the same thing. What foods don't make you feel bad? And almost inevitably, they'll say to me, well, I did carnivore. I don't know what you think about it, but I feel better on carnivore. And mm-hmm. that was like every like second appointment that I had with somebody, they would pretty much tell me like carnivore was the best one that they always felt best on.
1: But they were and addicted I- to things that made them feel not good, too. Right.
2: Well, I think that, you know, well, of course, of course, but, but that was the foods that made them feel good. So, of course, I would say to them, just eat the foods that don't make you feel bad. That's the most right. important thing when you have chronic illness. Your that's body a knows. huge
1: breakthrough to just do that. It's like common sense is the most mysterious thing that people can't get to, right?
2: But we as people, we need somebody to give us permission. Like, that's yes. why when I talk to families, I give them permission to recover their child. You can, you can recover your child.
1: Right, and you're kind of an authority figure because you've written books and you've given talks and you've done all these conferences, and they I think people want somebody with authority to just tell them it's okay
2: right, and then I get an emails like after I'll do an interview with you, for example, I'll get people saying, "Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, by the way, I have a question. where can I get to this or that or whatever I'll get some mm-hmm. nice things and right. then every uh, the, it will never fail like one person out of like, you know, maybe 300 emails will be like, ah, oh, you're a terrible person and you're murdering people. It's like, right. listen, if there were dead people from chlorine dioxide, if there was one dead person from chlorine dioxide, mm-hmm. they would still be talking about it.
1: If there, if there was one verifiable sick person from it, it would have been world news. I saw you on Canadian TV and they exposed who you really are. Oh. And, and what they said is that you lead a cult.
2: Oh, man. You know,
1: kind of like Jim Jones, but slower. And um that you advocate <laughs> pouring bleach on babies. That's your oh, sacrament.
2: That's so horrible.
1: It's amazing. And the people working for these networks, news networks, that promote this stuff, they're causing death and, and preventing people from getting help that they need. You know, so to anybody that's within that industry... You know, I, I, I'm i glad they have a job and are getting money, but they need to figure out some way to make up for the damage that's being done.
2: Uh, just, again, no worries Become a whistleblower
1: right. or, you know, do something within your position. That makes a difference.
2: Right, but like Mark said, I mean, they cannot put us all in jail, so if we just all stand up and keep talking and, you know, yeah. keep pushing it out there, it's, it's, it, it, it might change. It
1: gets back to what you were saying about David Icke. You know, peaceful mass non-compliance. Right. It's really hard to stop it if one person stands up. Right. But if a lot do, things change.
2: Right, and that was one of the things that I always had trouble with because the parents, even though their kids were recovered or almost recovered, they would be fearful to speak because the trolls would hunt them down. And in the U.S., yeah. they're very they're very adapted at using CPS. I, one of the trolls even oh. sent me a police officer to my door, and then um, my husband answered the door, and, 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 the, and the fella says, uh, yeah, we got a call that your wife's giving your kid bleach. Yeah. I mean, why don't, why don't they forget about the whole thing? Why don't they, first of all, ask the person who's calling, who are you, and how would you even know that this person who yeah. doesn't have any criminal record is, is harming her son with bleach? This
1: anonymous system of complaints is really damaging. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. That's what I said. I mean, my argument was, what if I call my neighbors? We have the worst neighbors. Call my neighbors and I say, okay, he's doing uh, elderly abuse on his wife. Right. Well, Are they going to go and knock on their door and say, oh, are you beating your wife? They wouldn't do that. You know, I mean, and they they shouldn't do that. They should be, you know, checking out who is the person calling.
1: Right, 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 right.
2: Anyway. So it's
1: really at a crossroads of individual empowerment right now, right?
2: Yeah, we really have a choice to make now, I think. Uh, and if we don't make it soon, it, there's there's no stopping. And I think that even, I'm not very optimistic, so I don't think there's really going to be a stop anyway. At the
1: moment, it doesn't look really doesn't look good and doesn't on the look surface. It doesn't look it's good. It's going to need a change in consciousness. It, it's beyond just having to memorize the right things. Right. The, the common sense has to come back.
2: Right. And, you know, Mike, Mike Adams calls it meritocracy, and I think that that's what we, you know, the smartest, the most beautiful, the strongest, the brightest, like all these things were were attributes that we were all trying for, you know, that I, I don't think any of us ever set off to be like these, you know, ugly, scary, monster looking people that we see, you know, on TV all the time, or, or I, I, they're just all, the whole, you know, whatever the new ideal is, it is something we didn't grow up with. And I don't want to age myself, but <laughs> I'm already could be an art member. And I mean, you was say to yourself well our generation wasn't like that
1: you know besides aging yourself this whole belief system that we have without really looking at it that by getting old you have to fall apart or not be able to think anymore or be weak or not be athletic or anything why i think that's all abnormal
2: I have to brag. My mother's the coolest 80 year old woman ever. First of all, she's so vain. She will not even answer a WhatsApp phone call without having her mm-hmm. lipstick on. And she's always like ready to go. And last night they had a party, like her friends were in town. They have an in town place uh, in the building where my mother and her friends live. It's a large building with a lot of apartments. Right. And they had a they had a dinner party and the two people having the dinner party were both eighty. My mother's eighty. Her other friend is eighty. And yeah. then she's got another friend that's like sixty eight, another one's seventy five and then another one around 45, you know. But but these 80-year-old fabulous diners, and they, like, partied on until 1.30 in the morning, you know, just okay. having a, cocktails yeah. and chatting.
1: Lots of energy.
2: They're so cool. They're so cool. So I think that there's 80 and there's 80.
1: Yeah. And, you know, some of it is physical habits. Some of it is attitude. They kind of go together, right?
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: But for the people that are watching that have autistic kids and want some hope and the doctors have been telling him: number one deal with the fact that it's incurable that it's never going to get better quit everything you're doing so you can take care of the kid who's going to keep getting worse I mean, the message to them is really important, right? If they're willing to look outside the box.
2: How can you give up on your child? I I, I mean, it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. Like Dr. Roby Mitchell, rest in peace, said, if you're not born with it, you don't have to die with it. So in most cases, something that you picked up along the way, you can usually reverse it.
1: Right. And maybe some things that you're born with. Because what if you came out extremely toxic from something your mother was doing? Mm-hmm. it's still, you know, it's worth a try.
2: For It's always worth a try. And it's just about the parents have to be motivated to do it. Because right. I see there's parents that are just like, nah, you know, that's too much work, that diet. And they just, you know, go on with the pizza and I ice know, cream I and know. the other stuff. It's just too much work for them. But, you know, I also believe that everybody has their own path to walk. Right. And mine was always going to be to help heal my son from this vaccine injury that we didn't know better. Nobody right. in my family knew better. Uh, we didn't know. And like my elder son, one day when I was crying, he used to cry all the time. And he saw me crying. And he was maybe nine years old at the time. And he said, uh-huh. are you crying again because of Patrick? And I said, yeah. And I'm so frustrated. that Because I remember the day that I walked him, like that last vaccine, it was really the one that pushed him over. It was the summer of two, 2002. Yeah. He, was yeah. about, he was about 20, 22 months old. And, um, and he said, you didn't know. And if you had known, you wouldn't have gone.
1: That was wise. That was really for, wise. And I, For a nine-year-old.
2: Those words stayed with me. Um, until this day, they still stay with me because it, it's true. I would never harm my son. I mean, the opposite of it. For your children, well, for my children, I, I did everything. I, I mean, I was the mom who would like double seatbelt all the kids in the back of the, the Voyager minivan and yeah. take like all the kids to the beach on Friday because my son, Patrick, I wanted him to always be able to be with the other kids. So I couldn't just have another mom take my older son, and then Patrick wouldn't be with the other kids. So I would take all the kids to the beach, all the kids to the pool. So I always had a lot of kids with me, and that was, you know, that was my being their mom. That was everything.
1: What are you doing now, as far as work and services and? consulting and stuff like that?
2: Well, I've written some books and I have a uh, TV show every Thursday at 10 a.m. live and then it gets updated and archived into Brighton.com. It's called Champions with Carrie Rivera. So I interview all the cool people that I like. And um, I also do consultations. People like to ask me questions and I also can set up uh, protocols that, that fit people because everybody's got kind of a different story.
1: Yeah, at this point, It's still considered acceptable to do consulting.
2: Right. Because you're not
1: prescribing, really, right?
2: It's the same thing. I could pull out a deck of tarot cards, you know, I mean, whatever it is, you know, it doesn't, people can pay me for my, um, you know, what they seem to be valuable information.
1: Right. Your opinion on anything, basically.
2: Exactly. And, and that really is what it is. I have a, I have, can tell you, I have a mom and she talks to me about once a month and I sort of feel like I'm her psychologist because yeah. I'm just somebody to talk with because she says, you know, in my country where I live, nobody else has a child like mine or the people that do, their kids are much better off than mine. And right. she feels very alone. And that has been kind of a position that I've sort of played in her life just to kind of keep her sane. And if the, I can keep the her idea saying- of
1: whether you have a degree in something is so irrelevant. You know, if your life experience makes you qualified for something, that's what you're good at, even if the system doesn't recognize it.
2: Right. Well, and somebody can pay you for your opinion. I don't have a sign outside my door that says doctor is in, you know, right. I'm, not a, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a homeopath and I don't really practice homeopathy because as I was finishing my degree in homeopathy, I'm, you know, like $50,000 in and, you know, two full, two and a half years in, I am right. like watching this chlorine dioxide recovering kid after kid. And right. I, I literally two, three weeks before my graduation from homeopathy school after three years, my book was released about chlorine dioxide. It had nothing to do with homeopathy whatsoever.
1: Yeah, homeopathy is basically saying that if chlorine dioxide, well, they're not wanting to dilute the cure. They're wanting to dilute the essence of the disease. Right. I mean, that's just. And then, a succuss it, that.
2: then succuss it into it has more, more potency the, you know, the further back you get. But right. when it comes to chlorine dioxide, it just was for me so clear. You know, and and homeopathic tincture of chlorine dioxide didn't do what the chlorine dioxide does.
1: Can you say something about the back when there were testimonials on YouTube, which I saw hundreds of those? Can you say something about the range of things that people said were cured?
2: Well, everything. I mean, if 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 you say like someone says they're they're cancer, well, actually, I watched somebody. It was a child. Uh, With autism, she did really, really well with my protocol. The mom would contact me. The dad got a prostate cancer. He was in his like maybe late 40s, early 50s. He started doing just three drops eight times a day. He never did enemas or anything like that. And his PSA went back into normal range within those, I think it was, it was like a February to like a May or something. It was a very mm. short period of time. And so, you know what, Richard, also, if you go back to the work of doctor Holda Holder-Clark, which she said, basically, you know, candida kind of causes everything from HIV to- uh, I remember that, yeah. Uh-huh. So, if you start to think about cancer and it being a fungus, for example, and this, da- this dad took the chlorine dioxide and his PSA went back into normal, why was it altered? Was it really altered because he had cancer? Was it altered because we got rid of some of the pathogen?
1: Right. That was what Simonsini was working on that. Dr. Simonsini from Italy was saying that cancer was actually fungal.
2: Right. And he uses, I think, baking soda.
1: That's right. Often injected.
2: Right. Don't try that at home, I think.
1: <laughs> no, don't. I've seen I've seen that actually fail on people. Oh. But not to do anything bad to them, but their hope was on that. And, you know, it didn't do anything.
2: Cancer is a multifaceted disease. I think it's even more com- uh, different complex, but it's probably one of the most complex because a lot of the people are having emotional issues as well. And that's, almost
1: all of them. Yeah,
2: almost all of them. Yeah, I didn't want to say that, but it is something that you really can almost factor that in. And, and you know, if you're doing everything right and they still pass away, then there was something else going on.
1: You know about Hippocrates Health Institute in Florida?
2: Yes, I've heard of that many times. They've,
1: I've interviewed a lot of their ex cancer patients that were cured. You know, the worst cancers, pancreatic and everything that was advanced 15, 20 years later, they're fine. And one of Love the things it. that, that they tell people who come there is, look, you can do this protocol. And with them, again, the protocol is eliminating most foods and they give them Green juices and yeah. raw salads and stuff, which eliminates almost everything. And they all get cured. But what they tell them is, um, if you keep this attitude, this really cynical, bitter, angry, you know, resentful, frustrated, self incriminating attitude, you're not going to get better. So you can either drop that, you know, or just, mm-hmm. you know, not either, just drop it if you want to get your life back which doesn't cost any money. Anybody can do that, if they understand it. So if people want consultation, which sounds to me to be really valuable, how do they do that?
2: They um, go to my website. Uh, they can go to CarrieRivera.com, or they can email me at carririravera.com above my head. And a lot of people just right. ask me, like, hey, where do you get your chlorine dioxide? Or, you know, well, and for instance, uh, I haven't lived in the United States in 30 years, but um, I know people that buy stuff in the States. And I'm sure a lot of people that are watching your uh, shows and everything are from the U.S. So right. I can tell people pretty much where, you know, other people are getting it from because I think Amazon is a bad place to get chlorine dioxide. I'm always uh, afraid of a false flag operation yeah. you know that scares me but if you Selling get the, the record, batch
1: that they know is going to hurt people
2: exactly richard so that's why i think it's a good idea when, especially when it comes to these alternative practices to use the ones of the um, of the road most traveled <laughs>
1: Okay, so where do people find those sources?
2: Well, there's th- they can email me, or there's there's three, like kvlab.com. They're out of Florida. There's another one right. called onenesslabs.com. I don't know where they're out of, but they're, they come in glass, which I think are lovely. Right. And there's another one called waterpureworld.com. So those are three companies in the United States that I know people, man, thousands of people that are using those particular companies.
1: Okay, and we've got people listening in Australia and England. Europe, um,
2: Europe is easy. That one is power-cds.com, and they carry a lot of different. They carry CDS as well as the classic chlorine dioxide.
1: Okay, and what about Australia, and New Zealand?
2: Um, there used to be one. Uh, I forget the name. I will. I will. If somebody's from Australia and they're listening to this, just just email me. I will. I promise. Yeah, find it. Carry,
1: it's carry somewhere. Here. It's yeah. somewhere
2: here on my desk. I just don't know exactly where it is, but there's definitely yeah. a, a, a distributor there.
1: You know if. If people find out the value, this thing about consulting, you know, the value of consulting with somebody like you is your unique experience and the fact that you're willing to look at it and draw conclusions from common sense. And people need the encouragement and connection with that. So I think that's really important. But if people start to realize how important that is, you're going to have to start teaching replacements of yourself.
2: That's something we're gonna work on this year, actually. What what concerns me though also is that once you say to somebody that, okay, this person is trained by me, so now they can represent me. Um, no, also because they, can, they
1: might say anything that you don't even know about.
2: That's one of the things, but the other thing is that with what I do, there comes also um some intuition. There comes you know, eighteen years of experience. Exactly.
1: They can't mimic your experience. Right. Because I, I don't know what a, the answer to that is.
2: I'm not just about chlorine dioxide. I'm also trained in all the biomedical interventions from Dr. Rimlin because I met him before he right. passed away and he allowed me to be trained because I had a clinic in Puerto Vallarta. It was the only biomed clinic in Latin America at the time. I had doctors, nurses, and psychologists. And mm. he allowed me, he, uh, amazing man, to be trained with the other doctors and Clinicians, as they called them. So uh, wow. there were homeopaths there too as well. We're I have to
1: figure out some way to bring up a new generation of health teachers, and they're going to need the experience from somewhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, w- I would like to train. I would love to train uh, because I think that there's, but, and then of course, have an ongoing contact. So, for, for example, when I do a consultation, the people then stay communicating with me on a regular basis. They have a separate text type talk with me. Open all the time. I use that seven days a week. So I'm supporting the people without any extra fees, which is, you know, there's somebody... Basically, doing my protocol with people with another disease. I'm not going to mention it, but um, charging $4,000 just for people right. to work in that kind of environment of other people. I-, I think that's unbelievable. I- that I-
1: restricts it to a really small clientele.
2: But also, I don't know, karmatically, I think that's bad. I'm not sure. I'm not, yeah. you know, I am not. I don't want to judge, but I-, I mean, if somebody's sick, and most of the people that I have the opportunity to work with, they've pretty much spent every cent on their illness by the time exactly.
1: they looked into no, it. If doctrine. there was a way we could figure out how to yeah. do all this stuff for free i think that would be the ideal
2: absolutely the only thing is it's hard to keep you know um you know got a child to feed and yeah, I, I <laughs> some of the out. real things that i have in my life i don't
1: know how to do it but it maximizing too? the gain you know yeah. way out of proportion is not the best approach i think
2: yeah that's why i've come up with different things you know different models for people so for instance I answer every email that I get, and unfortunately, my name is blocked on many servers like Hotmail, Yahoo, right. AOL, uh, a- a- SBG Global. So these are always bouncing back to me. Hotmail—they're always bouncing back. So incredible! Um, I urge everybody just to get a Proton Mail account if you can't have your own sur- server. I mean, at least Gmail—they've
1: right. so been. Proton Proton's the best.
2: Gmail still gets through. But, um, you know, I answer all my emails for free. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to send people in the right direction. And some people, they really do need to do a consultation. You know, I I, I cannot take... Some people send me, you know, I mean, emails that would take me probably 25 minutes just to go through each line and say what I thought. And still, you can't get the full case. I'm a homeopath. I'm trained to take cases. So I also need certain information in order to make... Talking is
1: a lot faster for transferring information
2: but you need that back and forth because in each one of those lines there comes another question that I cannot remember the email and go back right. to it days later so it it is very um you know you wouldn't go to a doctor and just call the doctor on the phone and say oh my my I got this like a lesion on my foot and it's brown and pussy and well, you know, he's going to need more information. It's not yeah. just a one-line email. So it's exactly. nice to get an opportunity to actually talk with the people about what's going on. And sometimes it's pretty simple. Like, let's start with this, then text me. Let me know how that's going. Then we add this and, you know.
1: Are there projects coming up that you're kind of looking to start in the near future?
2: Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm still doing the TV in English. I'm starting it in Spanish as well. So I'll have two okay. hours a week, one in English, one in Spanish, which is exciting because yeah. I think that there's... Actually, I think that Latin America is light years ahead of the English speaking world in alternative treatments because they've always been alternative. Remember, you know, there, there isn't the money that there is in the United States. For example, the U.S. is you know the one country in the world where health care is out of sight financially. But right. in Latin America, many people don't have the money for any kind of like, you know, health treatments that are coming out so of the hospital. So you think it
1: wasn't um, the incentive to take it over was missing? Because there wasn't enough
3: money.
2: They, you, they can't get everybody. Where the U.S., you know, by the Obamacare and this and that, they somehow managed to loop Everybody's everybody in. Everybody's
1: captured by the insurance industry, basically. And
2: try to find some alternative treatment practitioners in the States, of unless you're in Arizona, maybe, you know, in Sodoma or something.
1: Yeah, but they're, none of them are covered by insurance.
2: A- exactly, and frighteningly expensive.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope people get in touch with you, and if they just want to Follow your show. That's on Brighteon.tv yeah, once a week.
2: Exactly, and then I'm yeah. going to start putting that onto CarrieRivera.com so that people can even go there if they have a hard time finding it in in exactly. Brighton because Brighton can be a little bit challenging sometimes. If you don't type it in exactly how it is, then you won't get exactly what it is. You know, sometimes I put my name in with my like if I put in Carrie Rivera, Richard Sachs, sometimes I won't get our interview. I had to put in oh. champions with Carrie Rivera, And then I put in Richard Sachs or whoever my, you know, Mark Sloan or whoever my, my guest was. So I'm going to start putting those into Carrie Rivera.com also.
1: Okay, good, good.
2: People can find, but any questions, I'm super happy to answer any questions, you know, because yeah. I, I, I think some people just want to, you know, like, where do I get that? What was that, li- that link? You're again?
1: basically still human.
2: Right, exactly. And I answer all my emails. Some people say, I I, I emailed you months ago. You never answered me back. Uh, maybe it's blocked. I mean, sometimes people, you know, their, right, their servers right. are blocked. So sometimes I don't even get those emails.
1: I would expect Gmail to be at some point screened and, and eventually oh, of blocked.
2: No question. It's Google. Why would it? It's
1: owned by Google, right?
2: Exactly. So. That's why everyone just got to go proton. Okay, and
1: what is it? Five, $5 every so Free. often? Free. They have an option, though. That's yeah,
2: like but mine the, is free. I have a free one, and then every once in a while I have my IT guy go in and just clean out the box that you know it would get clouded. Okay. crowded yeah, because
1: but, it's not infinite storage or something.
2: Right? No, no, no. But I just have them cleared out once every few months, and and right. I don't use it a ton. But I have a so have and care.
1: everybody can get Proton Mail.
2: Everybody can get Proton. They can get it for free as well. And there's just you know there's none of those pop-ups. There's no you know they're not trying to right. sell you shoes or anything. No, it's like very
1: that. good. And if you have another email that you look at most of the time, Proton Mail will tell you. That you've got incoming mail,
2: right? In case you're not looking at it, yeah, it pops up too. Because I, I also never really check it, but uh, I do check it because I do get mails there. Uh, A lot of people send it to my profile as well.
1: Well, I hope we can stay connected with you and get updates on what you're doing. And you know, it's it's almost like there's a informal alliance of people who have good motives and just want to help humanity and help life and help the world and the more we know about each other the better
2: Absolutely. It's always mm-hmm. nice to be able to cross over. And I think yeah. that if anybody is in Arizona, Autism One conferences, I think it's the end of May. And also if people are interested in these, the, you know, they are autism and they're inter- interested in any of the interviews that I did or any of the presentations that I did for dot com. They're right. still on the commu They have a video library site, so you can go and watch the back issues. But this past month, we had testimonies from parents. It was very exciting. I mean, I was actually my assistant was the one that organized many of my recovered kids and their parents. And just to sit there and watch these families say thank you was like really, really touching. And to watch Calm their CommuSav.com, right? CommuSav.com, exactly. It's .com. And uh, there's, they have everything that they do. And every Saturday they have interviews and presentations, and then they wow. upload them to uh, their video library. And I recommend people to go there as well and check out some of those things, whether it's autism or cancer. I think this month they're doing cancer. So, you know, people to get in there and you know get the information. You can always buy every you know, people say, Oh, chlorine dioxide is illegal in the US. No, it's not illegal. You can buy it. No, it's a it for water, water
1: purifier. Pur-
2: exactly. So it's not illegal. It's approved
1: to drink. <laughs> That's about as safe yeah. as you can get. Right?
2: Exactly. And of course there's 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 hundreds of patents for oral use, whether it's you know, mouthwash, mouth rinse, right. dental products.
1: Right. Yeah, if it were bleach, that wouldn't be the case.
2: Wouldn't be the case. Well, that bleach is sodium hypochlorite. Every chemical has their own compound.
1: Yeah, yeah. When is the Autism One conference in, in Arizona? Do you know?
2: I think it's next week.
1: Okay, but it, but it Just
2: go to autismone.org. If anybody would like to go or they're in the area, there's going to be many people speaking. I'm not speaking. They're only having people speak in person. And since okay. I don't live nearby, I will not be speaking, but it would be nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Well, we covered a lot. That was great.
2: Well, thank so. you for having me, Richard. It was really nice to be able to share yeah, a bit of what's going on in my life. And like I said, the new stuff for me is you know, this carnivore and the, um, the methylene blue. These, I think, are some exciting stuff. And I hope to come back in six months and tell you that my kid has recovered after 22 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, for the missing link, right?
2: Right, exactly. Yeah, because exactly. you've
1: never really used uh, methylene blue for anything before.
2: Never, ever, ever. Never, ever, ever have I used methylene blue. i never even heard of it until three weeks ago. Wow. That's why when this lady says to my friend, she says to me, Carrie, they did an IV of methylene blue. I'm like, you know, frantically in the internet going, what is this stuff? And yeah. then when, when she, she got the book and she started to send screenshots, I mean, it was for autism. And then when I got into the autism section, I mean, it just makes sense that this can really make a difference at any age.
1: It's incredible. And, and more or less no negative results from it at all.
2: There can't be. There cannot be. The only thing that makes sense to me is that when you're getting rid of nitric oxide from the body, that there can be some sort of a detox reaction, but that would be more on the line of Herxheimer's and not like a side effect. So right. I it doesn't think, mean
1: that it's damaging you.
2: Right. Exactly. And I think that if we just were to start off lower, because a lot of people say, well, I'll start off with you know 20 drops and then go to 20 drops twice a day. Why don't we just start off with one drop twice a day and go right. up low and slow and slow? You know, Basic kind
1: of- principle.
2: Low and slow always wins.
1: Avoid the problems.
2: That's what I'm going to try doing. See,
1: We need to get so much of this valuable information available to everybody. It it makes me think someday maybe they could start a country based on individual freedom. And they could have like this document, like a bill of rights and maybe a constitution, stuff like that. It would be an incredible country.
2: Well, I was wondering, too, maybe they're going to do like the 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 uh, the Republic of Texas or something. We all just go live there.
1: That could happen. I think it
2: could happen too. It's a
1: struggle for control of each one of those states right now.
2: Yeah, that's true. But
1: the more people get conscious, the better the outcome.
2: That's true. I guess there's a couple states that are good to be in, like uh, like Texas and Florida at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And hopefully more.
2: Right. My friend was saying I was talking to a friend of mine, and she uh, she's originally from Puerto Rico. And she has property in Puerto Rico. And she said that she's not going right now to Puerto Rico because she's not vaccinated. Her children are not vaccinated. And if they were to have anything like a broken or you know, sprained ankle or broken arm or something like that, just a you know, regular thing, they will not let you in the hospital without getting a vaccine first.
1: That's true in a lot of parts of America too. Really? Yeah. I've heard stories from people who say that, that they have managed to resist it, but they oh. try to vaccinate you for anything. Wow yeah it's interesting, so we need a few things improved, <laughs> but hold on, and we'll say goodbye in the break okay, here. Thank you. So there goes Carrie Rivera, you guys. um I thought she was great. I hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. it seemed like there was so much information shared that you might even want to listen to parts of that more than once um only certain channels we can put it on. A lot of it's unacceptable from the mainstream point of view, but I think you hopefully get a lot out of it. Remember that her website is carryrivera.com, uh, K E R R I R I V E R A dot com. And, uh, she also mentioned the site that you want to know on Brighteon TV champions with Carrie Rivera. So you go to Brighteon.tv and search for that. And all the archives are up there, too. That's a great resource. And she said she just interviewed this guy named Mark Sloan, who was the one who was promoting uh, Methylene Blue that she's still in the process of learning about. That's pretty. That's new to me, too. I mean, I've heard of it, and it's been talked about by some of the really good guests we've had, like the nurse Michelle Rowan and other people like that, but I know next to nothing about it so i'm going to get the book that she mentioned which is just as i understand called methylene blue m-e-t-h-y-l-e-n-e blue by mark sloan s-l-o-a-n um, who has a, a site that she mentioned is being really another valuable resource and all disease dot com which i'm going to start looking at too and uh let's see what was the other Got so many notes here. Uh, com can't read my writing. Comusav I think is what it says. Comusav dot com is an autism site that has a lot of uh, good information and resources on it that you guys might want to look at. And remember that people who are dealing with trying to help their kids with autism, when there's a lot of those now with the vaccines being mandated all over the place and all the other environmental issues that increase autism. Getting if you can, getting a consultation with Carrie Rivera could be super valuable. And that's Carrie at CarrieRivera.com for the email. Um just somebody of her stature and experience with autism and with chlorine dioxide and with all these diets and mono diets and other protocols that helped Uh, she's one of the most experienced people in the world that has had uh, the experience of uh, healing so many kids with autism either completely or to a great degree so i recommend getting in touch with her and watching her site and her videos and her programs on TV. i think that's about it Uh, we're at lostartsradio.com as you know and we have a lot of information up there. As Carrie and I were talking, we have more than you could ever get through. But we put up uh, new videos and articles almost every day that are free educational material. And then if you want to help us stay on the air and keep bringing these completely unacceptable guests to your attention with no commercials, there's a donate button. And that would really be helpful because, as I've said before, I don't know how to do this totally without money. That's on lostartsradio.com. There's also a um, subscribe star link there, and there will shortly be a Bitcoin link. If you want to donate Bit- Bitcoin, we'll use that to keep operating too. Um, and share the links on channels that will not censor it. That would be great. Um, what else? The bottom line is. The world needs help right now, as Carrie was saying, and she continued talking after the show. uh, Even worse than the autism epidemic is the insanity epidemic. And it's really, it's not just out of control, it's almost universal. It's like living in a giant mental hospital where the staff and the patients are both all insane. And if you have some sanity and realization of who you are that you don't have to go along with the insanity, you're the hope of the world for spreading what, whatever we can do to make sanity contagious again and bring back common sense to the point where it becomes common. Um, you are actually the potential spark for that. So take care of yourself. Learn all you can of natural healing on all levels. And um, be aware of the thoughts and emotions you carry around. They're really powerful. Usually people are scattered and careless and they just let the mind chatter go in all directions and they waste potential huge impact that you could be having on everybody else even when you're not talking. So pay attention. Take care of yourself. Find out what you can become is really what you are. See how much of that you can get back and we'll work on it together. If you want to join us on Organized forum for doing that. planetaryhealingclub.com dot com. You can take a look at that. Stay in touch on the contact form on the site. Uh, but mainly, take care of yourself and become the best that you can be. It's your natural state, and we'll look forward to seeing you here next time. Take it easy.
3: Introducing Lost Arts Radio on SubscribeStar dot com. Just go to SubscribeStar dot com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program. Offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level. From extra monthly interview videos not available publicly, to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month. To private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs. To tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live. For all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on Big Tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage as well as our blog Talk radio page at blogtalkradiocom arts radio or just click the All Things Radio show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the banned ones are on our YouTube channel at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit slash channel lostartsradio On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just twenty-five dollars a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with.
0: You can spend your life Pursuing dreams Taking your ambitions To extremes The only thing that matters In the grand design Is what you take And what you leave behind If you held the future In your hands Would it make you change All of your plans When choosing what you want The most you will find it's what you take and what you leave behind if you knew exactly what tomorrow brings, it would take away your. sometimes when you've lost everything to know what you can keep and do without when all the praise and accolades of fame fade away and know will be much clearer and you won't be blind to what you take and what you leave sometimes when you've lost everything to know what you can keep and do without life becomes so simple when you know you can't take it with When you go But who you love And who you care for All the time Stay in your heart Held by the ties that bind They're what you take Not what you